Good morning. My name is Father Samuel Bellafiore. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Albany. I was ordained two years ago and have served for the last two years in Troy uh, at the parish of Our Lady of Victory in a mission church, Our Lady of the Snow. And I've worked for the past year in campus ministry at RPI. And it's a joy to be with you. Uh, maybe at some point I will tell you a little bit more of my story, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you. I was uh, moving in here. I moved in on Friday, and a friend of mine came by and helped me to unpack some boxes, and he opened the door, and I was really happy to see him. But when he opened the door and I saw him, I did not fall down prostrate in front of him. And so, we might wonder, since we do not normally say hello to people this way, why, when Peter enters Cornelius' house, Cornelius lies down prostrate in front of him? God bless the people who edited the lectionary, uh, the readings that we read from Mass, but they left out most of the story. And the story of what has happened is this. I'm just going to read you this passage from the Acts of the Apostles. It's chapter 10. Who's Cornelius? Cornelius was a centurion of the Italian cohort. He was a devout man who feared God with his whole household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision. That's unusual in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to a city, Joppa, for a certain Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with another man named Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. So if somebody just showed up at your house, you might not lay down prostrate in front of them. But if God appeared to you in a vision at three o'clock in, in an afternoon and gave you precise directions to somebody's house and that person arrived at your house, then you might greet that person in a way you wouldn't normally. And Peter speaks to people who have gathered non-Jewish people, people who maybe don't even know of God in the house of this man, Cornelius. And what does he say that causes the Holy Spirit to fall on these people who are here? Peter proclaims something very simple. He says that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus Christ is God. He became flesh. He lived, ministered, and healed. He died, was crucified by hanging on a tree, and has been raised in glory. That, with the openness in the hearts of these people, results in the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Why would God do something so extreme, so unreasonable, as becoming flesh and living with us? suffering and dying and rising. He could have had it much easier. Why would God do something so extreme 
as appearing to this centurion in a vision and sending him infused Google Maps to this guy's house. Why would God do something like that? It's because God wants to be in communion with us. What does communion mean? To be in communion with God doesn't mean that God is an optional part of our life or a, an app that you can delete only when you don't want him and you re-download it when you do want him. It doesn't mean that we stay around God or near God. Jesus says, remain in me. That's how close we are meant to be with the Lord. He's the author of our life. We're encouraged so often to write the story of our life, to create our narratives, to decide what our lives mean. And maybe there's some use to that sometimes, but our lives already have a meaning and they already have a purpose. And everything that goes wrong in our lives Everything that has gone wrong in human history happens when we forget that God is the author of our life and is the source of that. So we can't be afraid of this gift of communion that God wants to offer us because we have been created for it. So what does that mean this week? Here's my invitation to you. Just to identify, maybe to notice, just one time this week, how it is that you are being invited to communion, how it is that you are already thirsting for communion with God. How do we do that? I think that one of the best ways to be attentive to this is just to be attentive to the ways that we're often seeking for relationships. God has given us this desire for relationship because he's given us this desire to be in communion with him, ultimately to be united with him and with one another in the life of the Trinity in heaven. So when we have a desire to be with family or to be in contact with friends, when we, human beings, do all sorts of interesting things, we make art or we sing or we play sports, all of these things we do naturally because we have a desire for communion, to be engaged in some kind of activity with other beings. We're not meant to be alone. So just to be attentive to that, when that happens, when you have that desire or that impulse, or you're engaged in an activity like that, to offer it to God. But also to be attentive to moments when we're not engaged in activities like that, when the example that I think of in my own life is when you're maybe a little bored or uncomfortable with the silence and you reach for your phone. I don't know if anyone else here has ever done that. Probably not. <laughs> We're doing that because we desire communion. And sometimes we reach out for communion in ways that are healing and helpful and sometimes we do it in, in ways that are empty and do not satisfy our desire for communion. And so just to be aware of that and to call on the Holy Spirit to help us to see the communion he has made us for. 
when Cornelius falls down in front of Peter, Peter says to him, get up. I myself am only a human being. But there is a mystery before which we can fall down. Bow down before and would have good reason to. It's the mystery of Jesus' body and blood that we receive in the Mass. And what do we call that mystery? We call it Holy Communion.